Hey, this is Ali Ballas, and I am a victim of the 2020 lockdown. All joking aside, I just want to hang, and I've heard a lot of people saying the same, and sometimes with people who I don't even know. And as we've come to realize, that is not okay during a pandemic. Even though we can't meet in person, doesn't mean we can't get outside of our bubble. This is about learning new things, stepping outside, and all while staying home. Just because we can't hang, there still can't hang. This week on Can't Hang, I hang with Allie Kriegsman, a female entrepreneur from New York City who founded the online marketplace Bulletin. Allie got her start in entrepreneurship at the young age of 24 and has only grown from there, being on Forbes 30 under 30 list and growing her tech startup with funding from Silicon Valley. Allie's first book, How to Build a Goddamn Empire, comes out in April. And now it is my pleasure to introduce you to Allie Kriegsman. Welcome, welcome, Allie. I'm so excited to be chatting with you this week. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be chatting with you too. Happy Friday. Yeah, happy Friday. So I am very excited to have you on today, mostly because, you know, I love seeing young women do their thing, you know, regardless of age or whatever. So have you had a lot of people along the way raise their eyebrows at you, like starting your own business, writing your book, like all these things? Like have people kind of looked at you like, oh, you're a bit young? You know, I really try to own it. Um, It's, it's something I have been working on for a long time. If anything, I feel like I was raising my eyebrows at myself when I first started my entrepreneurial journey. I was 24 when I started building Bulletin with my co-founder, Alana. She's a few years older than me. Um, And yeah, if anything, I felt like a deep sense of imposterism um, and, you know, myself kind of gave myself crap for like being super young and kind of thinking like, who am I? I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Like, what am I doing here? (laughs) Um, But I, I kind of eventually realized that like opportunity comes and growth comes when you um, get really confident and build a lot of conviction around what you're doing rather than kind of forcing yourself to shrink. So Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I got taken more seriously over the years, the more that I started taking myself more seriously. Obviously, you know, as a female founder in tech and, you know, being in Silicon Valley and having raised venture capital, you do always anticipate that you'll walk into meetings with potential investors um, or potential partners and you you think that they think you're really young, like you're <laughs> you're kind of in the room wondering, you know, what they're thinking and what their impression of you is. Um, but again, I feel like if you approach every conversation with as much preparedness and confidence and conviction as possible, um, it's pretty easy to uh, give people a really forceful and great first impression and kind of remove any questions they might have about your age, your gender, or your experience. Yeah, I think that's so important. Thank you for mentioning all that. But as you've mentioned, and and I've mentioned in your intro here, you're one of the co-founders of Bulletin. So for those listeners who haven't heard of it, can you give like your best elevator pitch, which, you know, I'm sure you're used to doing. Yes. Um, So Bulletin is a two-sided marketplace where retailers around the US and Canada can discover, shop, and support the best brands on the planet. 
So we are a wholesale platform. Um, retailers all around the country, whether it's a fitness studio, an independent grocer, a boutique, a spa, a salon, um, can come to Bulletin's platform uh, to discover and shop from almost 1,500 brands and counting. So whether they're looking for you know inventory for their cafe or inventory for their online shop, um, we're the go-to destination for these retailers and these buyers. Um, mm-hmm. For brands, it's a really great solution because without Bulletin, brands typically have to pay tens of thousands of dollars to do trade shows um, or pay you know, showrooms for six consecutive months or find and pay a wholesale rep. Um, and we make it easy for brands to kind of activate their wholesale business and start working with retailers all around the U.S. and Canada in just a few days. Um, so we're definitely a more affordable, um, scalable, and straightforward solution compared to a lot of these antiquated, uh, you know, traditional ways that brands used to have to get into wholesale. Yeah, I think that's it. From looking at it and like your website and everything, like it's just like such a, and I don't mean to say this in like a bad way, like such a simple idea, um, but it brings so much like life and like so much ease to so many people. And and I've had a couple of, like specifically women entrepreneurs, it applies to most entrepreneurs though, that, you know, you, you find these places in life that are causing like a pain point or whatever it may be. And like, you just find this like awesome solution. So good for you. Like, this is just such a simple thing and, and, you know, it, but it solves so many problems for so many people. And I'm sure, like you said, saves so much money. I used to work for a company that would go to trade shows and I would look at their budget and I'd be like, Oh my God, like, this is just insane how much you're spending on this, like whatever. So it's such a great idea. So when, so can you kind of explain to me like how you have, like you have a retail store, correct? In New York? No. So we actually, oh, you don't. Okay. Yeah, we started out as um, our own independent retailer. Right. We were running three stores in New York at the end of 2018. Um, mm-hmm. But based on that experience, um, we decided to build and launch the wholesale marketplace. So okay. the stores were amazing. I'm so proud of them. Um, and they were a really important part of our journey as founders mm-hmm. and as a business. But um, we actually closed our last store in February of 2020, literally a month before COVID. Oh <laughs> so, my God, lucky. Yeah, pretty fortuitous timing. Um, yeah. yeah we're, we're not... Um, Okay. So you're just running the platform now. Okay. That's what I sort of understood from it, but then I was like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing out still on the stores. Okay. Gotcha. Like you mentioned, like you were funded by venture capital for someone like myself, most of us, um, I'd be terrified. So how were you able to get this type of funding? And like, what was this process like for you guys? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, To be totally candid, when I was 24 um, and Alana, again, is a few years older than me, a few years, uh, has more experience under her belt. She's our CEO and my co-founder. When when we started when I was 24 and the idea of taking on venture capital came up, um, I had no idea what venture capital was. I had (laughs) no idea like what it meant as a financing instrument for Mm -hmm. startups. I didn't really understand the difference between that type of funding or taking out like a line of credit or a bank loan or something like Mm -hmm. that. Um, So we actually ended up like bootstrapping the business for a while, both when it was a side hustle. And then um, the first year that we went full-time with the business, we had received a $20,000 grant. Um, But otherwise we were running these pop-up markets every weekend before opening our stores. And we were just making pure cash on those markets every weekend. Um, Long story short, like we ended up doing a program called Y Combinator, which is an accelerator program in Silicon Valley. They've funded and 
um, advised companies like Airbnb, Dropbox, um, Instacart, uh, you know, a a ton of companies that went public last year um, and DoorDash as another example. And that kind of put us on the path to um, being a venture-backed business. Um, When Alana and I joined Y Combinator, um, we hadn't yet really taken on any venture capital. We had been running our pop-up markets and making money through those weekend markets. And um, by doing YC, you're basically kind of setting yourself up for like a master you know, a, a massive, um, investor, like dating day, um, at okay. the end of the program. So we ended up basically having like speed dating appointments with all these like angel investors and venture capitalists through the program. Um, and that's kind of how we got inserted into that world. Um, I will say that like the first business that we ran the store business was an amazing business, but I don't necessarily think that it made sense as a venture backed business for a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you take on venture capital, you're promising to reach a certain scale, um, to grow really rapidly without pouring a ton of new costs into the business. That's why so many software companies are venture backed because they can scale without having to spend a lot more, mm-hmm. um, Whereas we were running retail stores with venture capital financing. Um, and you have to obviously pay a ton to like lease, open, build out, and operate stores. So once we actually built and launched our technology company um, and the wholesale marketplace, I think that that um, finally kind of married the way that we were financed with the type of business we should be running with that financing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's been a really interesting journey. And I kind of started out as like a total newbie had no idea what the type of financing meant or like how it would inform our growth. And um, I talk a lot about it in my upcoming book because I think it's it's definitely a gray area for a lot of female founders. Yeah, I I know. I understand like your former like stores. I don't know if you still continue to do this, but um, you supported like women-owned businesses. Is this something that you still continue to do with your online uh, marketplace or is it kind of shifted to be more open to like any type of business? Yeah. So the marketplace is open to any type of business. I will say that the majority of the businesses on Bulletin, both our uh, small business brand customer and our retailer customer, uh, most of those businesses are founded, owned, and operated by women. Um, But we, any brand can join our marketplace and any valid retailer with a reseller ID um, that sells merchandise can order from our marketplace. Um, we kind of took this, this idea of values-driven retail, which we really built out and um, refined within our own stores and applied it to the marketplace in a slightly different way. So mm-hmm. if you go to Bulletin as a retailer and you're looking to source inventory for your own store, you can filter our marketplace by female-founded businesses, minority-owned businesses, um, sustainable businesses, uh, businesses... Oh, wow. you- ingredients. So rather than just kind of pigeonholing ourselves to only working with female founded companies or only letting retailers order from female founded companies, um, Mm -hmm. we expanded our horizons and said, let's help retailers order from any values driven company, um, regardless of, you know, who the founder is. Um, Mm -hmm. if there's a, you know, company where all their products are made in the USA, but it's, you know, founded by a guy, that's still very relevant to us because we have so many retailers that want to support domestic small businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, we kind of took that like idea of values-driven retail that we, um, I think, did so well in our stores and just expanded it for the marketplace model. 
Yeah, I think that's so cool. Like, because you're right, like, why would you kind of limit yourself to people that are only interested in women owned businesses or XYZ owned businesses, or uh, you're right, like value driven ideals, because everyone's kind of looking for something different nowadays. And I think that's really important. Like I'm always looking for, you know, like really sustainable stuff or like vegan, whatever, but I also love a good woman owned business. So, and lots of people have multiple sets of values. So I think that's really cool. And I haven't heard of that before. Um, So I think that's awesome. And I love supporting stores and retailers and stuff that, that carry lots of value driven businesses because It's just so like cool to see people like really taking their values and like turning them into a business as opposed to like losing their values to their business, uh, which we've seen in in the past, right? So definitely, definitely. Yeah, I know you mentioned your book. Um, so it's set to come out sort of nearish future. Tell me about this book. Yeah, so it comes out April sixth. Very exciting. And yeah, I actually started writing the book about three years ago. So it's, it's been a long time coming. And I think what's really cool about it is, um, you know, I, I started writing the book when I was 26, 27, I'm almost 30 now. So, um, the book really reads like a time capsule and almost like an entrepreneurship diary in so many ways, because we were running our retail stores and like a consumer facing completely different business when I started writing the book. And by the end of the book, I'm running like a two-sided wholesale marketplace, like full-blown tech team, tech company. (laughs) So, um, I think that like, a big, a big, um, goal for me with the book was, uh, writing from the trenches and like writing about entrepreneurship and the experience of building something and these, you know, wins and failures in real time. Um, a lot of books that I read when I started bulletin were written by like male founders that were like decades of years out from their big Mm -hmm. successes, um, or like lean in by Sheryl Sandberg, who is like so many paces ahead of me, or even Sophia Amoruso of girl boss, you know, that was Mm -hmm. one of the first entrepreneurship books I read when we started bulletin. But by that point she was already like, you know, on fortune or Forbes cover as like a self-made millionaire. Yeah. Um, you know, was so many years away from where I was at my stage in the business. So Mm -hmm. a big goal for me was kind of writing a book that felt like a companion to Mm -hmm. any current entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur that was slightly earlier in their business's development. I felt like entrepreneurship was extremely lonely, extremely isolating. I felt like I was seeing a lot of women start to post pictures, like working from the wing and like these beautiful co-working spaces and kind of sharing the highs of entrepreneurship, but not being as candid about the lows. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's another big piece of the book too. Um, being really open about my depressive episodes and the harder parts of the entrepreneurship roller coaster. Um, because I think a lot of us, because of social media, see the highs and the wins and the glory. And it makes us feel like a total loser or like a failure when we're having a really rough time with our business. Um, yeah. It's just like not the type of content that you want to see um, <laughs> or that feels the most helpful. Yeah. Um, So yeah. And and I guess like the last important piece is um, I interviewed 30 other female founders for the book, ranging from women that are still running their businesses as side hustles to, uh, you know, Mina Harris, who's Kamala Harris's niece. I love her. Is unbelievable and like has her (laughs) own apparel company. You know, she is featured in the book. Um, There are other venture back founders featured in the book. So it's kind of a survey view of like what entrepreneurship looks like and feels like for 
all these different types of women growing companies of all different stages and sizes. And I think it's, it's a unique book because it gives that very raw, candid, real take on entrepreneurship, the highs and lows, the problem solving, the feelings of failure, um, and how to push through those so that you can keep going and keep building. Um, whereas I think a lot of other books on the market, um, just don't really give that type of perspective because they were written so far out from actually being in the trenches of building your business from scratch. Mm-hmm. It's hard to look from the mountaintop and see all the things you've overcome, right? You exactly. might remember them, but it's like not at the time, like you really downplay them. I feel like even with small successes, like you, you know, you downplay all the things that helped you got there because it's just so easy to look at the like positive things, which is always a good thing, but you're right. Like to write it from like a, a first person, like in the moment perspective, yep. that's so powerful. I'm so excited. I'm a huge reader and I know you've been promoting your book for a while. So I'm so excited for it. Um, Thank and you. Oh, it just sounds so good. And all the best things take time. So, you know, whatever, like it, it'll get out. And I'm so excited because April's my birthday month. So I'm definitely asking Amazing. for my birthday. <laughs> your birthday gift. Yeah, of course. Yeah. To myself, of course. So yeah, no, I'm so excited for that. So aside from your book and your ongoing success with Bulletin, like, do you have any big projects coming up next? Um, just like in other areas? Yeah. So it's, I, I have like the very early stages of it mapped out, but it's, it's pretty interesting as a female founder and as someone that's still like running her team and running her company and like has existing relationships with my investors and all of our partners, like the, the book is very candid and very raw, but there's obviously only so much I can say and be mm-hmm. super candid about, you know, I, there are a lot of experiences that Alana and I have had as female founders, um, that I, I couldn't address because they, uh, that wasn't the point of the book, um, mm-hmm. or because, um, you know, it just like crossed a line of how vulnerable and candid I, I could get at this current stage in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do have an idea for a fiction book where I can kind of take a lot of the experiences that I, that I wasn't able to speak on in the nonfiction book that that's coming out April 6th mm-hmm. um, and kind of package them a little bit differently so I can start telling those stories too. Oh, interesting. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So I have, I have, um, you know, all the characters mapped out, the plot mapped out, um, and all, and all the themes that I want to touch on, but I think it's, it'll be really exciting for me to kind of give a stab at fiction. Um, Mm -hmm. obviously, as I said, relying on my real life experience, but, um, there, there's a lot of stuff that I wanted to share that I didn't get around to sharing or like, couldn't share quite yet, um, or in the nonfiction format. So yeah, that's, that's something that I'm definitely hoping to, um, I'm not going to say I want to finish the book by the end of this year, but um, once once the first book launches out, I'm kind of going to set my sights on on that next one. Yeah, that's so cool. And that's so exciting and such a good idea. I love that, you know, just t- being able to tell these stories in a way that like suits suits your, you know, your goals and, yeah. um, you know, doesn't diminish anything for you. So I think that that's, that's such a cool way. I wouldn't have ever thought of that. Um, and I think that'll be so fun for you to write too. Like, I feel you like just escaping so to like a dream world. <laughs> yes. There's, um, another author who I love, um, Gabrielle Korn. She was the youngest editor in chief ever at Nylon Mag. Um, oh. her book, 
is called um, Everyone Else is Perfect. And I think it comes out in a few weeks, but I saw her post something to Instagram that was like, you know, debating whether to include these anecdotes in my nonfiction book or like wait to veil them under the guise of a fiction book and like really (laughs) spill the tea. And I was like, I totally feel that because as a you know, as a woman in, in the spotlight and like in any position of power, but with, with kind of stakeholders in your midst, like there's, there is really only so much that you can share and so much that Mm -hmm. you can say. And it feels sometimes like, even when you have, you know, a blank page in front of you, you're kind of like muzzled at the same time or just Mm -hmm. have to be kind of careful. So it was just interesting to see like other, other women in completely different industries, writing nonfiction books, feeling like, yeah, there was this, there was this line, I couldn't cross it. And like, maybe fiction is, is, is the platform where I get to, you know, get, get really dirty and share all the best (laughs) details. Oh my God, that's so cool. And I'm so glad that that's like a thing that other people are thinking of too, because, you know, it it just makes like fiction that much more like interesting. I feel like if you can like imagine it like in a real world, you're like, "Mm, interesting. Okay. So are you still living in New York City? Is that where you are right now? I'm in Brooklyn. I live in Clinton Hill. I'm here with my little beagle puppy playing with her ears and giving her belly rubs. I'm like, you're just living like the dream life. Like I would love to live in New York, you know, starting your own business, writing a book. Like I, I need like an escape right now. So please just like, tell me about your like life in New York City. Like, what's, what's, um, the, what's the day like? <laughs> so I, I live in a beautiful, um, pre-war apartment in Clinton Hill, Brooklyn with my boyfriend and our beagle baby Winnie. Uh, I've totally become one of those like annoying, gross dog moms. My friends, <laughs> I don't recognize you anymore. You like, like your dog too much and it freaks us out. <laughs> That's um, so funny. But we actually moved here in um, June during the pandemic. I was living in like Gowanus in Brooklyn right before this. Uh, okay. The water in my apartment stopped working during shelter in place. So like oh. we couldn't shower, we couldn't cook, we couldn't flush the toilet and um, fully just like up and left, found a new place and have been so happy ever since then. It's like made a big difference in my quality of life, as you can imagine. Yeah, um, yeah I typically like wake up early. Um, there's like a gym in our building. Um, it's, I guess gym is a strong word. It's like a dungeon basement with like a <laughs> in it. Um, so I usually like try to get active in the morning, make a little breakfast, um, listen to a podcast while I shower. I love the daily, which is the New York times daily podcast. I love pod save America crime junkies, like best crime podcast ever. Um, so yeah, I try to have like a slow, relaxed morning. I don't like rolling out of bed and having to get to work immediately. I love having time for myself in the morning. I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, my day is usually like, you know, back-to-back meetings with different people and different departments on the team. I'm always in touch with Alana, my business partner. We have like a few check-ins throughout the day just to move a few projects forward. I now I usually end the day my my bulletin work day at like 8 p.m. which is pretty late. We just we're growing really quickly and have a fair amount going on right now. And then mm-hmm. I usually do like an hour and a half of book related work. So I'm just fully prepping for the book launch right now. Whether that's coordinating like programming in April for once the book comes out, or coordinating giveaways with like amazing you know women or organizations that I already work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, I typically like either order in something healthy or throw a quick meal together. And then me and my boyfriend, like literally throw our phones in the bedroom, go chill in the living room, um, try to be off our screens for like the last few hours of the night together. 
catch up on how our days went, walk the dog, you know, maybe pour some wine or some recess, which is my favorite like CBD beverage. And yeah, um, I'm, I'm definitely trying to like slow down and make more time for myself um, and enjoy kind of smaller, quieter moments in 2021. I feel like 2020 was like a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of like, uh, just kind of running around trying to like keep the business going, um, keep our team, you know, in good shape. And I think there's, you know, a lot brighter and greater, greater energy in 2021 with like the administration changing over and, Mm -hmm. um, the business kind of getting through 2020 in a really, really strong place. So, I, I try to appreciate the calm, like happy, good times because entrepreneurship is such a roller coaster. Like I know that shit could hit the fan in two months from now and my lifestyle yeah. could be very different. So yeah, just kind of trying to like carve out time for me, not feel guilty about it, really own it. Um, and, you know, have, have a lot of time away from my screens. I, a lot of my screen time went up in 2020 and I'm trying to work on that. Mm-hmm. No, that sounds amazing. That sounds so nice. And obviously, like you said, you're right. Like entrepreneurship is such a like stressful thing. And a lot of people like don't have the, you know, stomach or like tolerance for it. Um, so I think that's so important that you just like really recognize like the times that like you need to slow down with the times that like things really need to picked up, be picked up into gear um, to, I guess, put it in more simply. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess wrapping up the interview portion of our conversation, um, we'll finish up with some rapid fire questions. Uh, Great. So whenever you're ready, we'll start. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Okay. First question. If you could hang with any five people, who would they be? Okay. Um, all right. All right. All right. That was very Matthew McConaughey. Of me. Okay. So <laughs> Um, I'm obsessed with, um, Raven Leilani's book that came out last year called luster. Um, I feel like I plug this book like every single day. I like slide into her DMS way too often to tell her how good the book is. Um, I'd love to chat with her. Um, she's just so talented. I think her narrative voice is so strong and so unique. Um, and I just, I love meeting other writers. I feel like I have a strong entrepreneur network, but would love to just like spend hours upon hours with her. I think she's incredible. Um, Katrina Lake at Stitch Fix. Um, she's amazing. I am so um, in awe of the business that she's built and in such a quick time and with like a fraction of the funding that a lot of male founded companies have taken on before they've gone public. Um, and she's just such a badass uh, founder, CEO, would love to spend time with her. Um, okay. Rapid fire, rapid fire. Who's number three. (laughs) This is so, okay. 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 Let me think. I'm having like a panic now. I feel like any like singers or like chefs or Lady Gaga, Lady Gaga. Love Lady Gaga. She's on mine too. I've been like a fan of hers since poker face. Oh yeah. And, Mm -hmm. uh, just dance and like her evolution her talent. She's, um, absolutely inspirational and I would love to spend time with her. Um, okay. So I have my fourth person. So, um, Jaquel Knight, he is Beyonce and Megan Thee Stallion's choreographer. He also works with Zara Larson, um, and like a few other amazing female artists. 
Um, and I used to dance. I met him at a Forbes 30 under 30 event. He was Forbes 30 under 30 my year. Um, his Instagram is amazing. Everyone should follow him, but I would want to give him to give me like a five hour dance lesson. <laughs> um, yes. be, he'd definitely be disappointed in my skills, but <laughs> I, I would love to do that. Um, and then chef who, I, I don't know, to be honest, I'm like, not like a super, foodie person. Um, but I guess like David Chang, um, I love his show on Netflix. Um, I love all of his restaurants and I may not want him to teach me how to cook, but like, maybe I just want him to cook for me for a full day and gorge on his food. Totally. That's why he's invited. That's the only reason. Um, no, that's, that's a good crew. Um, and oh, I, I'm really going to look up those first two people you said, because I feel like they sound like right up my alley. Um, and I haven't heard of them before. So that's exciting. Um, next question. What is like your typical coffee order? Um, iced oat milk latte with like a little squeeze of simple syrup. Mm. Mm, that sounds yummy right now. I could go for that right now. Um, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live? Such a good question. Um, I've never, okay. So I've never been to Greece, so I feel like it's weird to answer, but, um, just like I, I had a trip planned to go to Greece before COVID. So I feel like I've been thirsting for like mm-hmm. big Greece energy ever since then. Yeah. Um, I so, feel yeah. like it's fair to say, like, even though you've never been there, like in the movies and stuff, I know that's not always realistic, but like, mm, I agree. Movie, yeah. So let's say movies, Greece. <laughs> movies <laughs> version. Yeah. Where I'd want to live. I'm picturing like specifically um, sisterhood of the traveling fans, Greece, like yes, that, that yes, Greece. Exactly. Just like put me in the movie. Yeah. There for a year and I'd be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, me too. I agree with that one. Um, fourth and final question for you. What is your biggest pet peeve? I hate when people are assholes to service people. Um, mm-hmm. I like, worked in a boutique. I've worked as a hostess at a sushi restaurant in LA. I worked as a barista at the cafe I grew up going to as a kid. And when people, when I'm with people and they're rude to like wait staff or someone in hospitality, like a bartender, it like I could, I end the friendship right there. I can't, mm-hmm. I fully can't handle it. Um, so I guess pet peeve isn't the right word because it just makes me boil over in anger, but I've mm-hmm. been on the receiving side of those interactions. And it's just a really unfair power dynamic because the service person can't tell off the customer. And like, mm-hmm. Yeah. They deserve to. So yeah, that's, that's like a no, I have no tolerance for that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I have also worked um, in service and like, I'm very fiery. Uh, and yeah, there was a couple of times I was like, oh man, I would love to yell at you. And I came close, but yeah, I know that it. Is, makes my blood boil. It's oh. so disrespectful. I, I actually did when I worked at um, the sushi restaurant, I, I hostessed for in LA in West Hollywood. Um, I told off a customer and my manager ended up firing me on the spot that night. Um, but then it turns out that customer ended up being like super belligerent with other wait staff and like the, the female manager at the sushi restaurant. And I got rehired the next morning. Oh my God. Uh, Oh, what a win. 
I, I had that like very unique experience that like service people never get where like you get to like unleash everything you want to say, mm-hmm. but like not have the punishment. So mm-hmm. well, I did, I did for a few hours, but that was like, <laughs> that must've been a tough night, but like a huge win the next day. Yeah. I mean, it was, I, I, I like loved the whole saga. Um, oh yeah. I feel like that needs to be in the book. Like you need to maybe put something like that. Book. Yeah, maybe <laughs> the next book, but I um I have a hard time biting my tongue. So Oh yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um it has been so nice to chat with you today, Allie. Um and obviously drop all your wisdom on us. So thank you so much for uh, making time and, and hanging with me. Of course, thank you. I'm Alia Ballas, and you have been listening to Can't Hang. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you loved today's show, please subscribe and don't forget to leave a rating and a review. Visit canhang.simplecast.com to check out all the incredible people I've interviewed and who's coming soon. Much love goes out to all those who have been posting about Can't Hang on social. Please tag me in your posts at Can't Hang Pod, and please continue to send me suggestions of who you'd love to see in future episodes. I have an incredible lineup, but I'm always looking for people outside my bubble. Please tune in next Thursday and hang with me and my next guest. This show is produced by me, Alia Ballas, and the music was created by Quan. Quan.